Welcome to Events Heist, the podcast game show about post-COVID events and the event professionals that run them. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Anne and Sheldon. Anne is the head of community engagement at Twine and the founder of Spark Event Management. She shares an impressive story of organizing a virtual event for 12,000 attendees and a traumatic but hilarious experience with attendee badges. Sheldon is a marketing professional with events and producer backgrounds and the CEO of Le Chambre Consulting and Events. He shares his experience with the Super Bowl and dealing with bomb threats at a music festival. So Anne, you've rolled a four. I did. You did. So you can see the <laughs> dice rolls on the board. If you're in, you should be in gallery view if you want to see the board at the same time. All right. So Anne, starting with uh, you, how many events have you been involved in in your professional career? So I've been in the industry for 15 years, probably averaging 15 to 20 events a year. So 300 maybe? I'm not good at maths. Don't, don't look at yeah. math. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, somewhere in the ballpark of three to 350 over the course of my career. Okay, Sheldon, you've rolled a one. <laughs> All right, so um, same question. How many events do you think you've been involved in in your professional career? Uh, pretty similar to Anne. I think I, my professional career started in about 2000, and 2000, so I've been doing this for 21 years. So I think I'd probably be... 350 plus events, big, small, and huge. So yeah, probably similar to Anne, actually. Okay. And you wrote a six. Oh Jeez. yeah. <laughs> I'm good at this game. <laughs> okay. So tell me about the largest event that you've been involved in. The largest? Mm -hmm. Um, so a week after the pandemic happened, um, we were planning Global Meetings Industry Day. So our sort of international industries day of advocacy and awareness and all of the live events across the world got canceled. So uh, me and a team of 50 event volunteers from around the world set out to put together a Guinness world record breaking attempt, um, which we needed 15,000 people to dial in online. Uh, we only got to 12,500, which uh, was pretty impressive after like three that weeks, but yeah. that would be the largest for sure. We didn't break the record, but um, yeah, I think largest virtual event, well, largest event of number of attendees was, was would be that one. So GMID goes virtual. Okay. Sheldon, you wrote a five. That's better. <clears throat> All right, Sheldon, um, tell me about the first event you remember organizing. Um, first one that probably pops to mind is the, up here in Canada, we do a big hockey championship. It's called the Memorial Cup. It's the, it's the oldest championship in Canada that they award to the junior hockey uh, teams. So that was probably the first one. I was living in Regina, Saskatchewan at the time, and I was on the organizing committee as well as the marketing manager of the junior pats regina pats who were hosting the memorial cup so it was about a 10-day event um accumulating in the championship at the end of it so parties going on you know beer gardens happening lots going outside the stadium um you know hall of fame things coming in and then of course the game so that was probably the first one that i can recall that was a big one 
can ask you the same question. The first event you remember organizing? When I was in university, my third year, I volunteered to chair the U University of Alberta School of Business's year-end beer gardens. <clears throat> and so at the end of the year, it's just like a two-day party for students that um, happens in like the quad area. And the day, it was in April and the day before it was supposed to happen, it snowed like five inches <laughs> in April. So that event was memorable because we had to uh, shovel out a quad to, to have this beer garden. So we could only have the beer gardens one day instead of two, but it was uh, probably the first real event where I, I felt the event stress and, and all of the... Probably goes back all the way to, you know, when I was a kid organizing just, you know, parties at my, my house kind of thing and having a, a really great time. And then it moved on to university and that's when I got involved in a lot of events around the hockey team and things. So what is your favorite post-event junk food, drink, slash de-stressing activity back when we were doing live events i would always go get a pedicure after because your feet would just be mangled mm. from all high heels um and then it's like a very comfort food so spaghetti garlic toast and caesar salad nice. <laughs> it's like my post event dinner after my pedicure uh what about you sheldon what's your what's your favorite de-stressing drink activity or food well the first thing that definitely comes to mind is just sleep yeah. <laughs> i usually like will stay in the hotel wherever we're hosting the event or whatnot like for an extra day after and literally just sleep in so what do you love and or hate about events i love um creating moments and connections at events that i know will will spark and spur on further action or change. I think that when attendees connect at events and they exchange ideas and they have dialogue, they're most likely gonna be impacted in some way and take that back to their day-to-day -day lives. Describe for me the moment you knew COVID was going to turn the industry upside down. I'll defer that yeah, question. Just got dark, it? <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, defer good. that question. I like it, yes, you absolutely can defer that. Fab, I don't like this rule. Don't worry, you can use it to your own advantage. Okay, I'll tell you. So the, the week that COVID was sort of happening, the night that like Tom Hanks got it and the NBA was shut down, I was in the middle of planning an event that was supposed to start that Friday. So we were in a really weird spot. Like if our event was a week earlier, we would have just had it. And if it was a week later, it was obvious that you should cancel it. But we were right mm. in that. So the moment I knew it was going to change the industry was I woke up at like three in the morning, my client was calling saying, you know, we have to cancel this. Our US speakers can't get here, getting ready to cancel. And that day, I think, you know, 10 years worth of work seemed like it disappeared in eight hours where we canceled, I think six conferences that day, just out of wow. panic and clients not knowing what to do. So what do you love and or hate about events? I love the connection points that are made between businesses and colleagues and sponsors. In terms of the stuff I don't really love is, as you guys probably all know, and I'm sure Anna can attest to this too, events are like incredibly stressful. I usually go and get sick for the, a week after the event because your body is kind of like holding on. So um, I've learned over the last few years to kind of manage that better and, you know, take the 
the time that I need to kind of de-stress and, you know, have a healthy work-life balance. Okay. And you wrote a one and now you oh, are. Down oh, oh yes. <laughs> what do you miss about in-person events and what do you not miss? So far, what I, I realized being on site actually this week is that I've just missed the energy and how quickly, how much more quickly things can get done when you're in a room together, right? Especially if you need to problem solve, we've run into on-site issues here. I don't miss, um, similar to my earlier answer, like the manual labor. So today there's 500 delegate bags that have to get stuffed, right? So tons of moving boxes and you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff that ends up being pretty exhausting. Uh, tell me a bit about the industries that you've done events for and what your favorite is. First one that comes to mind, obviously, is sports. I do a lot of sports events, um, music events, um, conferences, and brand activations. Those are kind of the four main kind of pillars of my company. Um, I think the ones that I enjoy the most are the music events, um, just because there's a you know large entertainment component to it. They're not as, depending on what, if it's a festival or just like a concert event, for example, they're not as stressful to plan than say like a conference in my opinion. What is, tell me, describe to me your fancy event. Oh, I'm gonna defer this. Okay, Sheldon, same question. The first one that comes to mind and like would be Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, mm. cause it's like the preeminent event of all events. Um, a few years ago, we were able to work within the Super Bowl down in Houston, Texas, putting on a, it's kind of like a music festival within the Super Bowl and just the machine that in the money and, you know, the sponsors and the pomp and circumstance of all of it. It's like the event. So that one kind of comes to mind. So uh, how did you find the switch to, to virtual during, uh, during this pandemic? Well, it was very sudden and, um, you know, I've had lots of conversations with people about why it took a global pandemic to move our industry online, why we were so resistant and hesitant to it. Um, I, I, you know, since during the pandemic, I've also switched career paths a little bit over into event tech. So I'm learning a lot yes. about how you, we you were flagged as having defected to the dark side. That's not my term. <laughs> That's literally the, uh, uh, I can't remember the name, but the, uh, one of our, our previous guests nominated you as, uh, as someone <laughs> yeah. who had switched to the dark side, which I found interesting. I think that it was actually um, a really welcome change for, for event professionals and event technology to figure out ways to work together. And that's improved even over the last six months, the last year, right? And companies like mine and, um, you know, I, I look at Hopin and Swapcard and Julius and all of that, where we're starting to really integrate um, the two sides, that it's not so divided anymore. Have you read or watched anything recently that you'd like to share with other event professionals? The big thing right now, and I think Anne can relate to this because I, I joined her channel, the other, the Twine channel, we were talking about this, but um, I run a big event center here in Calgary where we do a lot of concerts and we've essentially been shut down for two years and then in our province we fully kind of removed all the restrictions and everyone's like okay you're back back to normal no restrictions and the challenging thing right now is is kind of navigating through COVID and vaccinations and having our guests ask us if there's going to be you know an, a vaccination spot to sit and an unvaccination spot to sit or will we be 
you know, requiring to see their vaccination passport, which potentially might come out from our government. So it's, we still don't have the answer right now. We're just going to open up and hope for the best, similar to what Calgary Stampede kind of just did. But that's the biggest thing that I saw. I've been kind of keeping my thumb on the pulse in terms of what's going on overseas and watching some of their concerts and stuff and what they're doing. What was, what was your transition like from the, the light side to the dark side? And can you explain these terms? Prior to COVID and even right after COVID, um, event technology companies don't have a great reputation of how they sell and um, service the events industry, right? So they're typically very aggressive. They put their product behind paywalls. You, you never can get a price on mm. what things cost. They email yes. you all the time, force you to sit through demos. So when I was an independent planner, my, my opinion of event tech companies and how they sold, I had, I had a pretty harsh one. Um, and so what we created when, when um, COVID happened, we created this thing called event props break shit, me and a couple of friends, Miguel, who I think has been on here as well, yes. um, where we pulled our buying power as event planners and went and tested software together. So um, Twine was the first platform that was at the time brave enough to say, okay, we're gonna open up our beta platform at the time. You guys come test it, break it, give us some feedback and uh, we'll improve our product. So Twine was the first, first company that allowed us to do that. Lawrence thought the idea was really um, an, an innovative one. So uh, that sort of bridged the gap for me that like we could work together as planners and as event technologists to make the product better and serve the market better. Tell me about the most stressful event you've ever organized. It had to do with that um, Super Bowl event we were a part of. We were asked by this organizer out of Toronto to go down there and put together this kind of music festival and literally it was like a mini version of the Friar Festival everything that could have happened that went to go wrong went wrong from you know there was you know bad cops we were dealing with and there was a bomb threat so we had to clear out the entire space um, some of our staff had guns pulled on them from the venue people it was just there was multiple ticketing platforms they were using. We had a ticketing platform that was supposed to be the one that everyone was using and they had one and there was multiple tickets out there and different sponsorships. It was just, just a mess. So I kind of vowed never <laughs> to go back to that city because it just brings back like such bad memories, but just the lack of, you could clearly see the organizer had a lack of um, experience of planning something big like that. All right. So uh, do you have any good event war stories you want to share? Uh, so the, the, my very first job in an event planning agency, I was the first employee and it was three men who had come together. They owned um, a software company, a, a registration software and a marketing company. And they merged into, and they were like, well, we can all use this for event planning. So they had very little event planning experience and they brought me on um, to help them with this women's leadership forum and it it just similar to what Sheldon just said it was like very clear that they didn't really know what they were doing they were lovely lovely men and and still great parts of my career today and and I still keep in touch with all of them but um this is a really like nitty-gritty good lesson learned for a new event planner we had badges that we had printed so the front of your badge had your name on it and the back of your badge had your sessions on it right so pretty simple in theory 
um, but we had printed the backs without the person's name on top of it and every record had shifted by one. So basically like I had put your sessions in the back of Sheldon's badge and oh, Sheldon's no. back of uh -oh. my badge. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. and discovering this like four hours before registration was supposed to open. Uh, I guess same question, Sheldon. Got any good war stories? The, the biggest horror stories I usually have with a lot of our events has to do with like flights and airfare and making sure your speakers are getting here on time and you got to deal with weather up here in Canada. Yeah. That's a challenge. Like the gathering event that we would host every year up in Banff was in February in the middle of the winter. So we had guests coming from all over the States and the world basically. So that was probably the biggest, you know, one we had a pretty our keynote speaker like literally was a was held up at the airport and we had to like essentially kind of delay part of his starting time and you know you have a room full of people waiting for him to hear and you're paying him a lot of money and you know so that would probably be yeah I literally have nightmares about that kind of keeps me up at night thinking like oh my god your keynote speaker didn't show up or whatnot right okay so if you could pick an event pet any kind of animal that you bring along to an event to help you out what would it be uh, i'm not like a huge animal person so the idea of bringing an animal with me is not very appealing maybe some sort of like <laughs> magic badge stuffing unicorn <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> magic so badge stuffing unicorn i like it <laughs> it's good uh, sheldon you're all the 15 oh no <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I was counting along. I think I got an extra one. What's your uh, What's your emergency kit during events? I will defer that question to Anne so I can catch up with her on the board. Oh. Good, good move. I have this really slick mobile printer that that's pretty small that fits. Oh, wow. pretty much oh printer, that's cool. Um, blisters, like sorry, not blisters, band aids for my mm -hmm. blisters. We have a first aid kit that we bring for attendees, like sure. your response my personal emergency kit um and flat shoes is in there for when you can't wear heels anymore what else is in there um just like snacks so like pudding snacks I have in there and so so <laughs> when I went to prep it for this event it's been like a year and a half right and things have like gone bad what do you think the future of events looks like in your um your region and kind of alluded to it earlier and she works within the dark side of this world now but um i think this hybrid model of live versus you know on demand or virtual is kind of the future within the next two to three years i think as people start to get used to coming out of the pandemic and then maybe like with you guys going back into it so now you're back into virtual so this hybrid model I think is here to stay for the next little while anyways. Preferably, I, I, I would always prefer to attend events. You know, you, you miss out on that energy. And I was talking to some of our guests last night at the music festival and, uh, you know, they were big supporters of ours and they're just like, you know what, this, there's nothing beats being on this island and watching music live with your family and friends. And Do you think hybrid events is the new normal? Yeah, I, I attended a, a seminar today that Miguel and Anthony from Hopin put on through Event MB, and um, Miguel asked people 
to say in the chat what kind of events they're planning and hybrid 100% was, was the most prominent one. Um, but I think that we're learning a lot about what hybrid is and what we're starting to discover is, is potentially that those things don't have to happen at the same time. You know, just streaming what's happening in a ballroom to a virtual audience and calling it hybrid isn't necessarily sustainable, I think. Um, one of my speaker friends sent me a video of literally a room of people in Vegas watching a Zoom on the screen. How do you think Zoom fatigue or, or just generally screen fatigue is affecting virtual events, hybrid events, et cetera? It's a, math, it's a big, big thing. Like when we went into this pandemic, um, rarely would we have Zoom calls to plan or organize. Um, at the time, I was working with an organization out of Toronto, which is halfway across Canada from where we are. And our Zoom went from, you know, maybe 5% to like 100% of our meetings were on Zoom and events and stuff. And it was, it's quite a fatigue. Like we had to plan around that fatigue where we didn't, you know, Anne can relate to this too, based on what I think her schedule is like too. But we were on the Zoom call all day long for eight hours, and it was just like, oh, enough's enough kind of thing. And Right. Okay. And you wrote a 10, and I think oh. I think that will put you at the mint. Yes, I win. No, go down the <laughs> manhole. No, I think it, I'm pretty sure a 10 gets you to the mint. Yeah, oh, that's it. Oh. Congratulations. You are the winner. If you could give one piece of advice to event planners, event professionals out there right now, what, what would it be? I think that the advice is actually, you know, regardless of whether COVID's happening or not, it, it holds true. I mean, COVID really emphasized it, but um, the idea of investing in your community, and I use that term instead of, I say, networking. I think, you know, networking is an interesting term. It obviously comes up a lot at Twine, but what it's about is investing in these relationships, right? And not just investing in them when you need things, but um, giving back to your community, investing in people, uh, helping them in terms of what they need at, at certain points in your career when you're like 25 and older like I am, taking time to go back and, and mentor people, right, and, and help them uh, through some of the challenges that you had. Thanks so much for being a guest of Event Heist. It's been great having you on.